The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Ousted. The office of Speaker of the House is hereby declared vacant. Kevin McCarthy, the day he spoke to us. I was doing Squawk today. The first speaker in U.S. history to be booted from the job. The who, the what's next, the why. Look, this stuff over here is completely cray-cray. Chris Christie, former New Jersey governor, weighs in on what the GOP can do. It might not be bad to have a speaker from a blue state with somebody who actually understands how to get things done as a Republican. And as a candidate for president, he wants to move on. You've got to get over it. Joe is just a bummer. Plus, Microsoft's fight to get Bing to compete against Google. Antitrust expert Tim Wu. We are not taking structural relief off the table, and breakups have historically been the most effective remedy. It's Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And uh, here we go. Let's look at the fallout in the market. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Kevin McCarthy became the first Speaker of the House in U.S. history to be voted out of his job yesterday. A small group of hardline Republicans unhappy with McCarthy's leadership proved decisive in the afternoon vote. Mace, yay. Magaziner, yay. The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. Here's Florida's Matt Gates, who spearheaded the effort to remove McCarthy from the job on the Capitol steps. Congressman Gates, is this how you expect this to play out? Well, I mean, we heard Speaker McCarthy say that uh, he wanted us to bring it on, so I guess we did. In a lengthy press availability last night, McCarthy said he would not run for the job again. I will not run for Speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else. I hope you realize that every day I did the job, regardless whether you underestimated me or not, I wanted to do it with a smile. And he mentioned his interview with us just yesterday. I don't know if this has caused problems. Look, I was doing Squawk today and they had the other TV on MSNBC. Among his last official comments while serving as speaker. So, a new race for Speaker is on, with a vote expected in a week. House Financial Services Chairman Patrick McHenry is now acting Speaker, and he wasn't happy following the vote to oust McCarthy. The chair declares the House in recess, subject to the call of the chair. Who are the candidates for the job? House Majority Leader Steve Scalise. He was Kevin McCarthy's number two until yesterday. Here he is to reporters last night. Clearly, within our conference, we have a very tight majority. We always knew that... Getting things done was going to be difficult in a tight majority. Right. It's still will Right. So no matter who's going to be the next speaker, the challenges still remain. But I think the opportunity is there to continue moving forward. 
Majority Whip Tom Emmer's name has been floated. And here are two interesting candidates, Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, and some lawmakers have even suggested nominating former President Donald Trump. Never a dull moment. Whoever gets the job, well, that person has about a month before the government funding stopgap measure that passed this weekend runs out. Okay, so now can we talk about this? So Matt Gates is this, but Matt Gates, but here's what I was going to say to you. You're, you're saying Matt Gates is a, is, is, is a, is a mess, is basically No, you know, I'm saying that this has nothing to do with, but, with what he was saying. It has sure, a lot but to Matt do with Matt Gates is a spawn of, of Donald Trump. Yep, and Trump came out That's, ye- that's what this is. Know, Trump came out yesterday and said, after basically urging Matt Gates and saying, shut the government down and do this, do that, he comes out in, in typical fashion and says, why can't Republicans get along? Why aren't they attacking the Biden administration? Why are they fighting amongst themselves? When that was, the, it, he totally pushed them along and pushed Matt Gates along to, do, to, to go this route. And the reason, it, it, you know, the, the, the weird thing is, a lot of the PAC money that McCarthy had raised elected a lot of these, yes. of, of the eight. But that's the, the other eight. piece of this that I was gonna say that's so ironic, which was that, you know, there's a whole view that, oh, should the Democrats not vote him out or this or that? The Democrats look at Kevin McCarthy and say, look at, look at who you spawned. Right? No, no, McCarthy. And, and look Mc- at who you aligned with. He, he didn't really align with it. If he had aligned with them, the government would be shut down right now. No, but he gave them the power to be able to put him in that position. Only agreed, because he, that was after agreed, 15 votes. Right, after 15 votes, he kind of fought to deal been with one. guys like Matt But Gates. it had always been one. Yeah, but and it, gave, it, went and it to gave the power to under, one of them to bring the power to throw him well, out. It would, yeah, but it's, if it that wasn't the problem with one, it was the problem that... It, the, the margin was only eight. S- <laughs> the margin was only six. Yeah, but it was the, the problem with eight. The, the if you had a thirty or forty vote margin, it, it wouldn't matter whether it was one or five that challenged you. you wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened. It, but it's easy when you only when you can only lose four or right. five votes and, and you get a hundred percent. Hakeem Jeffries is, is in the similar situation. He has to hold his caucus together too, and left, the members of the far left didn't want him to cut a deal with McCarthy on these things nope. too, with AOC and no, others. No, fish got to swim. But no one's expecting. But why, they, they, but they why were is never the fish got to swim thing? That's the thing I was going to say. Because Democrat, there's no way that they're going to step up and help uh, the but, opposing but party. But it's not fish just got to swim. What I was going to say is. It's politics. I think, right, but you, you problem, ever see the Republicans bailing out Nancy Pelosi? That no, would never of course happen. not. That no, would no, never and I'm happen. not suggesting that that. No, that, he's saying fish got to swim. The Democrats wouldn't. Support yes, no, no. Them. I appreciate that. What I'm, what I'm asking is why we don't think that, that the the, the the center of the Republican Party is not more aggressively saying, look, this stuff over here is completely cray cray. And by the way, similarly for. The Democrats. You did you watch yesterday? You should have seen what he said last No, night. I saw what he said. Well, you, but I'm saying, the, the, the but he said that now, after for, for, yeah. for months and months and months and months and months for the past three years, defending all sorts of craziness. Who's that? Are you, McCarthy. We're talking about, McCarthy. talking about McCarthy. You mean, you're just talking about Trump again. He, he, look, he, he because was a speaker from the middle. Everything he did was from the middle. He, he got the debt ceiling working with Biden. He, he got the thing over the weekend. With the shutdown, once again, that was, that's, that's what, by definition, the, the extreme MAGA, he did not satisfy the extreme MAGA types because they're the ones that, that ended up rebelling and throwing him out. So he did well, not. Well, he satisfied them every day up until this past weekend. That's basically. He didn't satisfy what, him during the debt ceiling. I mean, he, there was a fine line to walk to not alienate 40% of the Republican base. There's a fine, that was a tough 
he had to toe that line, obviously. But, I mean, Andrew, you and Trump, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, this, you know, I, I'm not defending him at this point either, but you've had, you know, serious TDS since day one. I mean, the, the Russia collusion thing. You know, there's no evidence for Biden. There was no evidence on that either. But, I mean, people that have TDS, it's been since the very first day, since before the first day of the Trump presidency. I, I think the whole TDS moniker on anybody is, 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 is completely unfair. And well, it's wait, unfair. So, but you're, you're judging McCarthy's entire tenure from, from not, when, when Trump tweeted saying, from not saying that's just horrible, you're a terrible person. That's why? That's why McCarthy... Was was MAGA to you extreme MAGA? He didn't. He wasn't a, an extreme MAGA speaker. That's why he's ousted. Well, I think that in the in this final instance that was the case. But he was <laughs> but up he was until... no. I think he was willing to be flexible. Let, that's a very polite way of putting it. He was willing well, to be very. Speaker, I think that there's no moral core on. By the way, on both of these, on both sides, the, the, whatever moral code or sort of code you think that should be had around character has disappeared in politics. That's and what, I say that's, that, that's I say I that across, no I say that unfortunately right. on, on both sides, but I don't think it's a complete both siderism well, thing I do, because I do think that there's been a unique situation recently as it relates to Trump, TDS or whatever you want to call that, and look at that and say, okay, I think anybody who's half sentient is like, this okay, is a problem. Then you're indicting about 40% yeah, of and the Republicans. Unfor unfortunately, Okay, fine. That's, if, you're, if you're comfortable in that, you're I have, asking you know of deplorables, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. But that, that was I'm McCarthy's something. problem. Who's the leader of the Republican Party right now? Well, that's a good question. Well, no, it's not a good question. Who point, is? Probably Trump. Trump, I think you would have to say. You would have to say it. So what is the okay. Speaker of the House who's a Republican? What is his position supposed to be when that's the reality of the situation? But if that's the reality and you're saying you don't Crystal. like that reality, why are people not standing up and saying, I don't, I don't like that know. reality? I can't, tell, I can't go out to the heartland and tell you there's a lot of reasons why he still has this much support. And you know what a lot of them are. But uh, how that plays itself out, we've got Chris Christie coming up today. Yep. He'll be able to tell us how it happens. And he'll, you'll have a lot of, he'll have affinity for what you're saying and, and vice versa. But, I mean, the reality of the situation is... I think he's still at about 57 or 60 percent of yeah, no, Republicans. It's well, you know, there are a lot of our viewers. You don't need to, to throw every one of them under the bus just because they have a different viewpoint about policy than you do. And don't think that character, which is definitely in question with this guy in the White Look, House right now. I'm not now. suggesting that everybody is a saint. I think there's, <laughs> there's levels yeah. of sainthood yeah. that's taking Physician place. Position to heal thyself. Amazon used an algorithm to test how much it could raise prices in a way that its competitors would follow. That's according to some redacted documents from the FTC's antitrust suit against Amazon. The algorithm was codenamed Project Nessie. The complaint says the algorithm raised the prices on certain items and monitored competitors to see if they raised prices to Amazon's level. If they didn't, it returned the item to its normal price point. A source telling the Wall Street Journal that Amazon made more than $1 billion in revenue through use of the algorithm. An Amazon spokesperson says the FTC's allegations grossly mischaracterize the tool, calling it a project to try to stop Amazon's price matching from resulting in unusual outcomes or prices became so low that they were unsustainable. The company says the project ran for a few years on a subset of products but didn't work as intended and was scrapped several years ago. Part of this whole debate is whether Amazon basically is forcing third parties to match their prices, and because they're 
forcing them to match their prices, what that does to the prices at all the other retailers, and therefore how they track all of that. So the good news is that if you're on Amazon, you might actually be getting the lower price. But is it really the lower price if they're jacking the price on all of the other sites to create the lower price? And Lena Khan would say the idea that Amazon's able to have the lowest price and the others are and and third parties are willing to have higher prices elsewhere suggests Amazon has a unique market power because you want to be at Amazon over all of the other places. It's actually That's I will say a convoluted say, argument. I would it, say it on that sound front, like it's, it's different one of, than what Walmart or anybody else. It's does. one of the I, well, I've, I don't know. I, I think it's a unique argument, but it's actually, to me, an, it, it is one of the few demonstrations of the power that Amazon appears to have, which is that third parties are willing and happy or happier to have their stuff on Amazon at a lower price than they are anywhere else. And that it, is... It's a market you don't want to miss. I think that's well, but, a clear but, argument, but you would say the same for Walmart well, or lots well, of no, times you would target a different But time. that's the... Well, but the point is that if, if you're willing to have a higher price on Walmart.com or in Target.com so that you can be on Amazon, it means that Amazon actually does have the power. No, I just mean in the stores. Like in a, in a Walmart store, they've always talked about everyday low prices, sure. and they have been pretty brutal on their suppliers to say, you are going to have the lowest prices with us. We're going to make sure right. because they can deal, because they're so big, they can deal with a much thinner margin uh, than other in, retailers can. In store. In store. Right. And so this is the equivalent of that. Yeah, but that, that's what I mean. It just, I'm, I'm just pushing it back to practices that the biggest competitors have always kind of. Right. We are able to offer lower prices because we have the mass. And, and, and as a result, if you want to be a supplier with us, you're going to have to agree to give it to us at these low prices and we're going to have super low margins. I, I, I get the online aspect of it. They're just doing it online. It, but the idea that the project was scrapped years ago kind of weakens their argument, too, uh, that they've already gotten rid of the project that wasn't really working. We'll um, see. I, yeah. it's, it, but I do think that it, the other piece of it, forgetting the project piece, the, the idea that people actually are willing to have higher prices elsewhere, it's not, by the way, just that you'll have the low price at Walmart. It's that you're also willing to say, I'll have a higher price somewhere else. Yeah. Cheese will be next. Up next, Chris Christie. The former New Jersey governor is running for the Republican presidential nomination. He diagnoses the political stalemate in Washington and its impact on 2024. There's an element of folks who it's just purely tribal. They feel like they have to keep the jersey on all the time. And if they, uh, if they say that they even have some concerns with Trump, that means they're for Biden. They can't be for Biden. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
You're listening to Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. We got a lot going on uh, in New York. There's a lot going on in Washington. We're going to talk all about it. Kevin McCarthy uh, became the first speaker to be voted out of his job yesterday when eight Republicans Shouldn't we have a reality show? We, we should have, talk about what we... I don't know if you could see we, the commercial breaks Oh, here. if you could only see. Uh, when he joined with Democrats to oust them, while McCarthy had the backing of much of his conference, yeah, 96%, he said last night he would not run uh, for the speakership again. So the, the, it's, it's on, this race for speaker. Um, not anything going to happen until Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Let's bring in 2024 presidential candidate Chris Christie. He's a two-term uh, governor of New Jersey and a former U.S. Uh, attorney, good to see you, Governor. Good always, to be here, guys. Always good to see you. How's wife? She's good. She's great. She's watching. I'm confident. I, I'm confident. Her favorite she, show. Well, she, she watches, watches every morning. God she bless watches, that. Every watches. morning. Can you can you give me anything positive? Any silver lining of of that um, excrement show? No. From yesterday. No, I can't. But you know, it, look, it just shows. It gives people more of a concern about our party being a governing party. And, 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 and that's bad for all of us well who are running for president right now, right? And, and look, Kevin's mistake right in the beginning was taking the job under those circumstances. The only way to get it. You know, I said, well, I said to him at the time, I you should tell him, go find somebody else. Because there would have been no but one Chris, else who could have gotten to 18. it was always one person. It was always one person. But usually you had a margin of 30 or 40 in your party. Well, we can thank and Donald what, Trump for that. That's what, so tra- trace it back to that. It of wasn't, course. It wasn't the one person thing. It was that there were only, oh, it, it was the margin was, because there was no red wave no. because all the MAGA candidates, and extreme you, MAGA. You heard from Matt Rosendale. Um, you Another know, one. And, uh, who said he was praying right. for them not to get um, a big majority so that he could be more influential. I mean, so you got these guys who yesterday were literally just trying to raise money for themselves, get on TV. That's all they care about. And by the way, the creation of, creator of all of this is Trump. Right. I mean, this is he right. set this type of politics in motion. Started with Purdue in Georgia and, yep. and said to McConnell, I hope you lose so, so we lost yeah. the Senate. That's right. And Republican, so Republicans, I should just start saying we. No, but Republicans lost the Senate. Yeah, they did. And, and, and Trump did that because he didn't care. Um, because he only cares about himself. And then the 2022 midterms, lost it. That, that didn't happen. Well, so uh, you, look, when, when, you, when you put candidates up like they did in New Hampshire for the Senate, like they did in Pennsylvania with Dr. Oz, who's a, who's a guy I've known for a long time, was on both of my finance committees when I ran for governor. But you know why? Because he's from New Jersey. Um, and he, you know, so you, you run him for a Senate in Pennsylvania. You know, I, I, I spoke to my mother-in-law who the time was 94 years old she's now 96 and i asked her um so who are you voting for in the primary and she said i'm voting for mccormick and i said so why'd you sign mccormick she goes oh christopher dr oz is from new jersey um right so i mean you know sometimes people get too cute and too smart for their own good people understand basics and she understood that she's lived in pennsylvania her whole life she wanted a Republican senator that actually was from Pennsylvania, not somebody who's from New Jersey. Chris, what does this all mean to the business community? Because we've been trying to mold that around. Just the potential for a government shutdown, the inability to find compromise, the inability to actually govern and get things done, no matter which party you're looking at at this point. I don't think there'll be a shutdown, Becky, because McCarthy showed that you can prevent that from happening by you know the folks, the 210 
in the House on the Republican side who were ready to vote with Democrats to have a continuing resolution for 45 days. I, I'm not worried as much about a shutdown, but what I am worried about is you look at our long-term economic issues that we have to deal with. We have to deal with the debt. And in that, I, you know, I don't agree with Gates because I don't think he has any core on that. But my point is like, you, need, you need to have a stable majority to be able to do that. What happens in Ukraine? What, what's Zelensky saying when he wakes up this morning? Right? What are our allies in Europe saying? Let's remember something. The last time we turned our back on a shooting war in Europe, it cost us half a million American lives ultimately. And I don't understand these people who are making Ukraine this kind of dividing line on this stuff. And it's going to hurt our relationships around the world and it's going to wind up costing American lives ultimately either in Europe or in Asia. I got a question for you. We were talking about Trump. Mm -hmm. And Joe says to me, we were talking about TDS and this idea right. of, you know, he says, you know, deplorables and all of this. What does this whole situation mean for you, for your election, and the idea that there are a strong base of support still for President Trump? Why is that? What is that? And, and how do you rationalize this situation? Look, I think there's three elements to the Trump support, right? There, there's an element of folks who are, they just, they never really involved in politics much before, didn't get involved in voting much before. He spoke to them, their anger, and his anger is something they can relate to. And they're rock solid for him and, and probably wouldn't support anybody else, right? There's an element of folks who it's just purely tribal. They feel like they have to keep the jersey on all the time. And if they, uh, if they say that they even have some concerns with Trump, that means they're for Biden. They can't be for Biden. And so they, they just put that away. Then the third element is the people who are just scared because they look at it and say, I, I guess I have to be for Trump because he's ahead in all the polls and there's no alternative to that. Um, I think that last element of people will break away from him. And that's where you're, that. you think your opportunity Correct. is. Correct. Yep. But clearly, even Matt Gates thinks politically for him that there is an audience for what he's doing. There he thinks is. that he well, can become the there, governor of Florida, there potentially, there well, there is on the back the, of the, uh, this kind of thing. No, it's a fiscal. He, 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 all eight of those people were hiding behind the $33 trillion. That's all they said. They right. said it again and, and, and again. And, and, and they got look, a point. But Florida's a red state now, um, Andrew. And so could Gates, will Gates win a, a gubernatorial primary? Like, who knows? But look, at, Matt Gates is not a whole heck of a lot different than Ron DeSantis. If you look at the things that Ron DeSantis did and Ron DeSantis said when he was in the House, he was not a whole lot more liked than, than, than Matt Gates is in, in that caucus. Matt and Gates has some, serious ethical, has some serious ethical investigations, that, that, potential illegal activities. Look, and I think you're I'm right, Becky, and I think that like, Gates looks at this as the best defense is a good offense. Right. And just keep pushing and saying that he's setting this up so that when they do come back, if they do, with some serious ethics charges against him. He's going to say, oh, well, it's all rigged. We've heard this before. It's all rigged. It's because I went against McCarthy. Now they're going after me. Um, but I think that the, if you continue to look at the early states, in the, in the polls that have a decent amount of, of sample, Trump is below 40%, both in Iowa and in New Hampshire. That's a bad sign for him. Imagine, Andrew, in the, in the Democratic primary, if there was a poll that showed Biden under 40%. And why isn't there? That's the other, if you want to do whataboutism, I mean, you talk about 
you know, not staring a problem right in the face, which is Republicans with Donald Trump, well, Democrats have nothing but Joe Biden and, well, and with, with Kamala Harris waiting in the wings. Well, tell, me how they're, tell me how they're rationalizing that without trying to figure well, out. Well, the, the people who have to answer those questions are folks like Gavin Newsom and J.B. Pritzker and Cory Booker and oh, others. Shapiro, or who all, right? No, but look, the truth is they don't want to run. They're, well, they don't want to run because they're too fearful that they're going to split, split a party at a time when they are looking at uh, the GOP and looking at Trump. If Trump was not the leader... I think you would have a completely different situation on the Democratic side. I think people but would I don't think be very willing to no, split that whole situation no, up they would never and run win. against him. Their premise is oh. flawed, yeah, though, Andrew. Them. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying, yeah. but that is the I, conceit. I think their premise is flawed, though, because, you know, uh, you and I were at a similar uh, yeah. meeting recently, and, and I heard there were a number of Democrats there, and they're all scared to death that Biden's not going to make it, um, that he's not going to physically get there. Um, and, and then the only thing standing between Donald Trump for, from their perspective and the White House is an 82-year-old Joe Biden who on most days doesn't seem to be able to put, you know, eight coherent sentences together in a row. Words. Right? I mean, it is, it, it is incredible. It's one of the reasons I'm running is because you can't have these two people be the choice. And, and you... And everybody says, well, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to thread the needle. I don't know how you're going to win this thing. Well, you know, the alternative to me is unacceptable. So if the alternative is unacceptable and you feel like you have something to offer, it's not acceptable for you to stand on the sidelines and just carp and complain like a lot of people that we all know who come here and, and whether it's from this business or whether it's from Wall Street or whether it's from other parts of business in this country who all say the same things to me. But then they're all waiting on the sidelines. I, I want to see how this plays out. But I saw this the, eight is, years ago. Is part of the problem too many people running, though? Like the, the problem being, if there was one alternative, maybe there would be we, we more of pick, a We've got to pick the alternative. The only, way that you get, the only way that you get one alternative is for someone to actually prove they can get votes, Becky. And, and look, everybody says there's too many people. I want you to remember something. On October 4th of 2015, there were 16 Republican candidates in the race. Yeah. Today, for practical purposes, there are six or seven. But there wasn't an incumbent or, or a former right. incumbent. But, but you know what? He was, if you remember back to this time now, October of 15, right. he was clearly ahead and significantly ahead. When he first got into June, he was not. But by the time we had gotten through two debates, by the time we had gotten through the debate um, that we had, the first one and then the second one at the Reagan Library, Trump was the clear front runner. He was center stage and he was double digits ahead of either Jeb Bush or Scott Walker. And by the way, remember by this time, eight years ago, Walker had dropped out. And he was the front runner in Iowa six months earlier. So my point to people is there aren't too many candidates yet. Um, and then you, when you talk to all these other folks, they want, they want the field to thin. Yeah. Well, then do something. I, and I, I've said to any number of people, even if you don't pick me, pick somebody. But these folks want to sit on the sidelines because they're all afraid of being wrong. Guess what? If you look at, let's just take the Wall Street industry. If you take a look at their ability to predict who is going to win, they stink. They never could pick who's going to win. It was President Jeb Bush. It was President Scott Walker. It was President Rick Perry. I mean, come on. So if I say to them, decide who you want to be president, who you think is the best, most competent, most responsible person to be president, 
And then there's some of the few people who actually have the resources to give that person a chance. Mm -hmm. But everybody wants to be careful. I'm tired of everybody being careful. I'm out here not being careful. I'm the only one on that stage that didn't raise my hand and say I'd support a convicted felon and I got booed by 5,000 people in Milwaukee. I don't care because it's right. Really, we want a convicted felon to be president of the United States? And then you had some jokers on the Hill yesterday saying, make him speaker. Who are these people? Who should be speaker, very quickly? Look, I like Scalise. I've always liked Steve Scalise. I don't know whether he's up to it from a health perspective. He's, you know, I spoke to him when he first was diagnosed. He's a friend. And he was focused on making sure he gets well, which is what he should. Only he knows what his prognosis is. Jordan is do it. total pro-Trump. Who? Jordan. Jordan. Oh, Jordan. Jordan. Well, look, yes and I no. I like him. But, but Jordan, look, Jordan also stood with McCarthy. Yeah, he did. You know, and, and voted for McCarthy and stood with too. him. He's a hard ass. You know, I, look, I think the most likely two candidates are Scalise or Emmer. Because they're in Emmer leadership did. already. They've put... Um, you know, a lot of chits with these Emmer's folks. pretty low-key. I saw him talk. Who, Tom Emmer? Yeah. I'll tell you this, though. Emmer is, might not be bad to have a speaker from Minnesota, like, yeah. from right. a blue state, with somebody who actually understands how to get things done as a Republican rather than someone who is only red state focused. We need to put together a coalition and recruit McCarthy candidates. McCarthy was from it. California. That ain't blue enough for you? I, you know what, though? That's almost ridiculous because then you really have to be tribal um, when you're from that blue estate. It's like being from New Jersey. Well, Bakers, yeah. It's bad. You've got to get over it, okay? Next case. Look, I asked you for a silver lining. You said, no. Well, there's no you're silver lining on silver this. Lining for what no silver here. lining on the, on, the, on the speaker stuff. But look, we've got a race going on. Let's get to it. <laughs> Let's go and try to win the damn thing. I mean, that's, okay. you know, the, like the only way everyone's going to say, if I go ahead and beat him in New Hampshire, yeah, you know, there are going to be people going, oh, I knew it. I could feel it. I knew it. Well, let's make it happen. Well, we had you here first. So, you, you know, you. Well, you're going to be among the smartest people in America. You have us to thank. Because you had me here. You have us to thank. See you, sir. Thank you. Coming up next, how much market power is too much market power? One of the architects of recent antitrust policy, Tim Wu, he weighs in on the weights of Amazon and Google. Of course we're talking about a breakup. you got to start by talking about a breakup. Squawk Pod will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod, where we're diving into the government's big plans for big tech. The landmark case pitting the Department of Justice against Google, the company so big, so important, it became a verb. Here's Becky Quick, who kicked off a conversation about it all earlier this week. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella says that Google's internet search dominance leads online publishers and advertisers to actually shape their content to Google's own requirements. He says that that puts competitors like Microsoft's Bing search engine 
at a disadvantage. Nadella made those comments in testimony at Google's antitrust trial that was brought by the U.S. Justice Department. And for more on this, we want to bring in Tim Wu. He's a Columbia law professor, uh, law school professor who served as an advisor to the Biden administration. He's known as an architect of its antitrust policies, and he has been closely following this Google antitrust trial. Tim, what do you think so far of, of what you've heard, just you in know, terms of what this means for the government's case? I think the government's doing pretty well. Uh, I thought uh, uh, I thought yesterday's testimony is very strong. Um, I feel that they're making a strong case that it was an uneven playing field and Google's using its money to make itself win. Yeah, um, that's definitely the case that they're laying out. I, I, one of the throwaway lines we heard, though, is that Sacha Nadella actually had to admit that the most searched word on Bing is Google. Like when mm -hmm. Bing comes up, people try as fast as they can to get away from it. What does that tell you? I mean, I think they scored some points in cross-examination, but I think the main question here is whether, not whether people can switch from Google, whether they do. And I think they have very powerful stats that Google for its whatever, $18 billion a year, was getting something. I mean, the right. big problem in the case is there's this huge payment. Right. So what is Google just doing this for fun? Giving, uh, Although you know, I almost looked at the other side of it because the argument that, that has come back is that, no, they're the best search engine and that's why we kept them there. If they're the best, why are you making them pay? If they're the best, why would you have to pay? And if you're paying to keep it, it means that somebody else could maybe come in and pay a higher price. Yeah, it's the other it. way around. I mean, think about cable news networks, like who pays who, right? You know, it's like a little, it's all kind of backwards here. But what I also yeah. don't understand is why, look, behaviorally, there's a behavior issue here, which is you're arguing, the government's arguing, that somehow this is a monolith and that the switching costs are very high, that users just don't do it. That's, that's almost like a, a behavioral science issue. By the way, you could argue that Lena Khan's case against Amazon, which sort of suggests you're living inside this Amazon world and you can't get out of it and you're yeah. sort of stuck inside of it and you're sort of stuck inside. The, to me, it seems slightly um, challenged insofar as tech, very technically, it is much easier for me to go from Google to Bing or Amazon to Walmart than it is for me to go from that store across the street to the other store. I may not want to because maybe it's raining out or maybe I don't like the walk or whatever it is, but this is like technically super simple. Yeah. The fact that people don't do it, whose fault is that? Yeah, I mean, I think that is the core of the defense. But I think that the tech company has been very smart in understanding if you set up absolute walls, if you have contractual restrictions you're going to lose in court and also you're going to make people mad so it does somewhat depend on this idea of the, of the illusion of choice and i feel like they they know this right. you know it is a strategy and it's an, but is it an illusion or is it real i, I mean, think i can go from google to bing pretty quick if i want i, I may not remember to I mean, you could technically change your bank, for example. How often do you actually do it? You know, it's a pain. But the hurdle, yeah, like the point of the change, for changing a bank account from one bank to another mm -hmm. and going from Bing from Google to Bing are like night and day because it's so much easier to go from Google right. to Bing. That's the that's no, sort of the point that I, they I, would be your, making. Your word choice was interesting to me. The illusion mm -hmm. of choice. The illusion of choice, not really a choice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you yeah, always, I mean, you chose that carefully. You also that. have the technical possibility of choice. It's not really an illusion. I think. These companies are strategic. They understand behavioral economics. They understand humans. They understand what we respond to, and they have exploited those uh, tendencies to, to maintain their monopolies. It works. That's you know, in the what, old days, that's 19th what century companies do too, though, isn't it? I mean, uh, I know, uh, but sometimes it's anti-competitive. In the 19th century, they, they used right. contracts. They used much right. harsher things. Anticipate what my customers want and try to satisfy that. They're doing that to try to be better than uh, the competition. Well, they anticipate I have potential challengers and either buy them out 
or use behavioral tactics to try to make sure they don't switch. Well, I think you know, the that's strongest stuff it. that the government has had on its side is the former Google employee who basically said, yeah, we, we had such a lock on things you could make, rip up the monopoly books or the economics books because yeah. we, we had a virtual monopoly that yeah. they were able to go and, and do this and they, they could behave however they wanted because nobody could get a leg hold in. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, right. that's the evidence. But the issue, as we know, yeah. is that, uh, we always talk about this, it is not illegal to be a monopoly. It that's is right. illegal to, uh, it's, illegal, it, it's potentially illegal in how you create that monopoly and it's yeah. potentially illegal to what you do to try to maintain that monopoly. Right. This, I imagine, is in the, in the maintenance category. Yes, that's right. Right? Yeah. And so if they didn't make these payments, what do you think would happen? And is, and is it the number? Meaning, if it was a lower number, would that be better? It would be relevant, I think. I think if you had disabled all of Google's tactics, which are anti-competitive, like many other markets, there'd probably be two or three, kind of. You know, I think Bing would probably hit scale. Maybe some others hit scale, and it's like, I don't know, light beers, we have two or three. Right. Rental cars, we have two or three. I think it is a little weird that Google has this monopoly for a long time, and you dig underneath, you send out, they're spending tons of money to keep it. It's a little bit with, with Amazon, just to, to sleep on right. this. Amazon, they have monopoly, okay, fine. What they do is they punish people who are trying to sell for less on other platforms. So you know, you're trying to sell your, your widget for less on, I don't know, uh, Best Buy or something, they, they, they punish you. So, or, or well, but don't, that, don't Walmart and other competitors do that too? Like we want to be the everyday, we're promising an everyday low price. We want to be the lowest place, the cheapest uh, place. Everyday low prices, everyday, low price guarantees are actually very anti-competitive, even though they sound good. Because it means that they're preventing you or punishing people who are trying to discount without the margin. I'm the consumer, the I'm cool with that though. Well, the consumers are actually getting fooled. When, a ho when, when like hotels.com says guaranteed best price, that means they're preventing the hotel from discounting from 30% to get rid of that hotels.com margin. You see what I mean? Yeah. So actually these guaranteed lowest prices are on but big platforms. But that's a tough case to convince people that they don't realize that they're getting ripped you off when they think it's a need to convince the judge <laughs> right. that this is an anti-competitive. How they advertise it is totally different. You now the airlines will say you can switch in 24 hours, you know, 24 hour, that's because we force them to in the federal government. Okay, back to, to this idea yeah. though that the most searched for word on Bing is Google. That tells you that consumers, even when they get trapped on Bing, want to get away from it. <laughs> I, I, it is a damaging fact, but I also uh, think that it reflects the fact that Bing has not been able to get to scale. That is part of their problem. Is Google has kept these guys, you know. But do you believe little. they haven't been able to get to scale because the, because the product is just as good? Do you believe that Google's product is better because more, I mean, there is an argument to be made that Google's product is better because more people use the product, therefore the data and information that they're able to collect makes their product better. It does make their product better, but at some points it starts to plateau, and the main advantage to them is denying scale to others. That has been the number one offensive weapon in Silicon Valley the last decade is denying scale. And I think it results in just having mono products for a lot of areas. Where in so many other markets you have two or three, and I think two or three are better for competition, at least. Right. So the law suggests. Yeah. yeah. Can I go back to Amazon for a second? Sure. Yeah. When you think about this idea of them charging, uh, or or saying, look, if you're going to be on our platform, we want to offer the best price on our platform. Yeah. By the way, it seems like a rational, a rational act, right? That doesn't mm -hmm. seem irrational. Before you even get to the point of whether this, you have to, there's, there has to be proof that this is a monopoly for this to be a problem, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
if, if I had a little shop in the corner over here and I was doing this, nobody, nobody would, everyone think yes. that's very rational and normal. The question is, how do you actually define the market that is Amazon? Because again, this goes back to the switching costs. Yeah. Amazon would claim they own 4% of retail, yeah. right? So they, they take the pendulum, put it over here. Yeah. The government right now would put the pendulum all the way over here and say, right. it's this thing called a superstore, right. which by the way, I've never heard people say that, that right. I've never even heard of that as a market, like a singular mm -hmm. market before. It's probably somewhere in between, no? Right. I mean, this is a, a challenge. The, the way the FTC is approaching this is to rely pretty heavily on direct effects of market power. You know, if that little store in the corner right. tried to say, hey, if you sell for less anywhere else, you're out of here, people would just like laugh at them. What, a lot of what the government's relying on is direct effect, the ability of Amazon to get this out of people as proof that they must have monopoly power. And it's a technical demonstration. You know, we'll see how it goes, but I think... Right. Most of it is also, is, uh, you can't see it in the complaint. But in the complaint, it's clear they're relying on this direct theory of market power. If, if Amazon, or let's just say if the government wins its case, either with Google or with Amazon, what do the remedies look like? You're not talking about a breakup, potentially. Of course we're talking about a breakup. You've you got to start by talking about a breakup. Don't, don't really? the, by the yes. way, to that point, though, isn't it, don't you think the government is, is on them to say what they want? They have not stated what they want. Well, you know, it's like, you know, it's baseball season. You don't reveal your roster to the last minute. I, I think the government but has that's said... that's what they want? Uh, baseball? No, they, no, no they, that's what they the want government wants. They want I mean, you relief. understand this. You are an architect yes, of all they, this stuff, and the goal is to break up the companies? They have not. We've, we are not taking structural relief off the table, and breakups have historically been the most effective remedy. So that's, why, that's where it starts. Wow. Um, I mean, divestiture is what we're talking about. Right. Chrome browser. Does Google need Chrome browser? Is a good question. Does Amazon need to own Amazon Fulfillment? There's a question. Would you have more competitive markets without these? That's, those are the questions. Would you break off AWS, Amazon Web Services, or just the fulfillment and you can't be both sides of it? I think it depends what the facts reveal. And if you break off Amazon Fulfillment, does that mean that every e-commerce company or every, on, every retailer can't have an e-commerce side of things as well with their own fulfillment? Do you do depends. the same with Walmart? Do you do no. the same? No. It depends if you're a monopoly engaged in monopoly maintenance. I think that'd be the argument. Wow. But I think you start with structural relief, work backwards. Okay. Tim Wu, thank you. Thank you. That's, that's eye-opening. That's more than I anticipated. Well, Be we... afraid. Be very afraid. Um, Tim, this person doesn't like your beard, dude. It's Super, it's super Wooster. Is that yeah. you? Yeah. I can't believe that. It's, it's, I didn't you know like what my, he was talking like about. Yeah, he I said like he doesn't like it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. with this person. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Get the best of our three-hour morning TV show right in your ears, right here when you follow Squawk Pod, wherever you get your podcasts. And Apple Podcast listeners, please rate our pod or write a brief review to let us know what you think. That's it. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This
This is Triple A with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 